turns out to be a place none of us know until we reach it. We anticipate. We know that someone close to us could die, but we do not look beyond the few days or weeks that immediately follow such unimagined death. We misconstrue the nature of even those few days or weeks. We might expect if the death is sudden to feel shock. We do not expect the shock to be obliterative, dislocating to both body and mind. We might expect that we will be prostrate, inconsolable, crazy with loss. We do not expect to be literally crazy, cool customers who believe their husband is about to return and need his shoes. The year of magical thinking Joan Didion. Chapter 2. Sorrow. Last week, I was so excited about going somewhere new or getting some kind of adventure because I really like to start the new year off fresh and with fresh mind, thoughts, and just inspiration and I searched for flights and I was able to find a flight to Chicago with a long layover, which was perfect because clearly I have a lot of friends, a lot of history with Chicago. Chicago is the place for me where I feel like I really found myself. Chicago was like a wrestling ground for me for so many things with my identity as a woman, with my identity as in, in faith, in, in really just a time where I learned a lot about myself. It was a place of self-discovery. I went to college in Chicago. I worked a lot of jobs in Chicago. I performed a lot in Chicago. And therefore, I knew I would have loved to go here and see some of my friends. And also, I really wanted to talk to them and just bond with them one last time. Um, so I hopped on a flight <laughs> within, I think it was like 12 hours between finding the flight and actually taking, you know, taking my butt to the airport. And I got there. Of course, it was cold as ever, a lot colder than Georgia, the South. And all the memories came rushing back all the moments, all the beautiful times of sadness, of joy, of laughter, of fear, of questioning. And I remember who I was when I first came to Chicago and who I was when I left. And I couldn't help but to feel some kind of weird joy, but also grief. Uh, sadness, the sadness that comes with growth, the sadness that comes with loss. One of the people that I was able to see was my good friends, Carrie and John Pendleton. John is a florist, a professional florist, and Carrie is a professional a baker. She has a bakery company called Bakes by Carrie, and John has a company called Planks and Pistols. And 
I love them. They are some of the most wise, beautiful people that I know. And it was interesting being able to sit down with them after all these years and to see and to feel the journey and how it has made them more beautiful. And I couldn't help but to bring you guys into the room. Because I want to ask you something you said about some flowers simply have shorter lifespans. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like that's just... Yes. That's just their makeup. They can only live for a certain amount of time. And when I think of that, I think of like, like how we're talking about mental health. Like mm -hmm. some of us, our mental health is a, is more fragile. Mm -hmm. We're not, we're, we're built a certain way. Mm -hmm. And inevitably, there are things that may cause us to Look at you, poetry. Um, what is it like choosing a flower for a floral arrangement, mm -hmm. knowing mm. that it will not last long? Mm. It's hard. It's really hard because you know the flowers that don't last long are most of the times the most expensive wow. and the most beautiful wow. and the most rare. Wow! Like the flowers that come to my mind. Everybody loves peonies. They're incredibly fragile. I use peonies for a summer wedding where it was extremely hot and like the bridal bouquet like fell apart because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't keep it cold enough and I didn't have flowers. I didn't have enough leaves to support the, the petals because peonies, when they're warm and in a lot of light, they open up so quick and there's so many petals and it's so heavy that they can just like fall. They need a lot of support. They're mm. so beautiful. You can easily pay from the wholesale market, you can easily pay four or five dollars a stem Are you for these one hundred percent. Five dollars a stem retailing for ten, twelve dollars a stem. They're so beautiful though. So beautiful. And the crazy thing about some peonies, I never thought about this in terms of mental health, but with some peonies, they never open. They're so tight. Because there's so many petals and they can be like a tight ball. And you can try to use warm water and stuff to open it up. But like if they're not a good bunch of peonies, like they won't open up all the way and they they be so they can be so tight. But they still cost five dollars, still expensive. And um another flat, dahlias. Dahlias are the same way. Divas. I mean, <laughs> if they're in sun for too long, will. Water too hot, will. Like if they get bumped up against other stuff, the petals bruise. Like they're so beautiful. So beautiful. And so, um, so yeah, a lot of times though, and the flowers that like today I almost bought this flower. It's interesting though because it's super beautiful, it's expensive, but it actually lasts a long time if you know how to work with it well. Cymbidium orchids. I was like, I asked my wholesale, I was like, how much is this? He was like, fifteen fifty for a stem. It's like one Wait, stem. hold on. One one wholesale. Wholesale at the wholesale market, fifteen fifty. But that one stem has like twelve blooms on it. So, and it's really sturdy, um, but they're shipped from other places and they're hard to grow like that to be so, like, they're harder to grow, but they're easy to care for in floral arrangements, but you can get better use out of it, but you have to know tricks on how to work with it well. So again, like, the flowers that are more expensive, are a lot of times more fragile, they take more knowledge to work with, uh, especially in a larger arrangement. Um, and a lot of times, like, 
I'm not this way, but some designers are like, you should, like, if you're using a more premium flower, like, make sure it's, like, standing out so, like, people can see it. And I'm just like, well, maybe I want the cheaper flower to be, like, the standout flower, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, but to answer your question, how do I feel, like, knowing that a flower isn't going to last long? It's, it really is hard. It's hard sometimes, but I've learned to make sure that, one, especially with, like, peonies and dahlias, that peonies have the right support around them, and with dahlias, that they have the right protection around them, that they're not, like, bumped up. Again, I use dahlias in more so base arrangements because I know people are going to just carry the arrangement around. What un, un, Unlike a dahlia in a hand tie where people are going to be walking around with it and it could be bumped. So it takes more knowledge to work with those flowers, and I think similarly with people. It's like there are people who have more delicate mental health, and it's like that doesn't make them less beautiful. If anything, it makes them more beautiful because they have a different insight on the world, and it just takes the rest of us sturdy straw flowers to just take the time to get to know, like, how can I best support you, or how can I best protect you, or does it like tricks to get, like, the most out of you, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and not for my own personal benefit, but for your benefit, you know, for the benefit of larger humanity. So, um, so yeah. Mm. That's a very sensitive conversation to have, um, especially when it comes to, like, um, people who are prone to depression. Mm-hmm. And where it's like, no, like, I have these moments where I feel like, um, to extend the metaphor, like I feel like I'm wilting. Yeah. Or I feel like my time here is up. Like I did what mm. I wanted to do, or when I when I needed to do. <laughs> I showed my petals; they were beautiful, they were rare. But um, I cannot go on any longer. Yeah. Right, and then like the grief that can come with um, having like a floral, a floral, how do I say, a floral guide or a parent or Mm -hmm. friends or family who are watching this beautiful flower or this flower that they deem to be beautiful Mm -hmm. or rare, kind of wilt and decide like. Yeah. The time is over. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think as someone who's dealt with depression, someone who's thought like, maybe my time is over, maybe I don't have purpose here. To go with the, to continue with the metaphor of flowers. Again, it's all about care. Mm. It's it's all about how you care for them. And peonies are incredibly delicate. However, if peonies are preserved well, there's a whole different art of dried flowers where they haven't wilted away. They've been preserved to have a whole different type of beauty. Mm. Um, And I think I would say that to anybody who's listening and struggling with depression. If they're like, I'm just wilting away. Like, maybe... You need to, like, remove yourself from your water source. Because that's what, because that's what dries a flower out. You have to get it out of the water. A lot of times, hang it upside down. 
So a completely different positioning. Because in water, that water is stimulating growth. Mm. But it's stimulating growth is making the life of that flower become shorter. Wow. And not even the life of that flower, but the presentation of that flower's beauty, I would say, instead of the life. The presentation of that flower's beauty becomes shorter when it's stimulated by something that should bring it life. Mm -hmm. Water or sun. But if you take flowers, also drying flowers, that's done in the dark. So if you take flowers, take them out of water, hang it upside down in the dark, they dry. Perfect condition. Preserved perfectly. We got married almost six years ago. Carrie's bouquet is hanging up in my office. Like, flowers preserved perfectly. But their whole situation had to change. Mm -hmm. And the natural beauty that they had became a different iteration of beauty. Mm -hmm. And so I think for anybody who's hearing this, it's like, I feel like my mental health is delicate. I feel like I'm wilting sometimes. Sometimes, like, people, community is supposed to bring us life. The Bible is supposed to bring us life. Like, our mothers, our fathers, our friends are supposed to bring us life. But maybe, just maybe, you need to remove yourself from that. Mm. And so that your beauty can extend a little bit longer. Because these things that could and have and pastimes and maybe some people think should bring you life are actually just overstimulating you. Mm. And you need to just focus on preserving your beauty. Mm. Giving yourself a new formula. Mm. Taking yourself out of the, the water. Taking yourself out of the sun. Secluding yourself giving yourself something else. And when I say that, I mean medication, maybe. You know, like a whole different thing. And then it's like, wow, this is a whole different version of beauty for myself. Mm-hmm. You know? Because that's for me. Like, I'm in a completely different social setting, job experience. And I also take medication on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And I see myself beautiful in a way that I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and... And I feel like I've preserved so much beauty Mm. that like my children and grandchildren are going to be able to experience Mm. because I stopped forcing myself to expect like life from something that could and now does bring me life again, but it was just actually just overstimulating and causing me to will, you know? So these are really good questions. (laughs) That's beautiful. (laughs) That was beautiful. Thank you for asking the question to stimulate your thoughts. Seriously. No, I, I mean, honestly, it it makes a difference when you speak with someone who is has their hands on in a very practical way. Yeah. And is it, it's touching life. Yeah. Right? Like, that's why I say, and why I started the questioning off of, like, what's it like to be a man in the floral industry and you're touching life. Yeah. The delicacy of it yeah. and having a deep reverence for it, mm-hmm. it's significant. And so I just have a couple more questions for mm-hmm. you because I don't want to keep you, but I want to know when is the last time you felt pure, genuine joy? Mm-hmm. If you're okay with sharing that, because yeah. you may want to keep it to yourself. But. Mm-hmm. I think. I really do think most recently I think I mean me and Carrie had a fight 
And I think after we have a moment of tension and we're reconnected, that's like a different level of joy. Because mm. it just reminds you of the reality of we good. Mm. Like, we got a lot of shit to keep figuring out. But right now we good. Mm. And I'm happy about that. Like, I'm really like internally joyful about that. And yeah, I think for me, for me, maybe it's just for me, but for a lot of people, I think the deepest joy is after like really hard moments. So like I was really stressed by finances a few weeks ago. Being an entrepreneur sucks financially. <laughs> Keep it real. Like it sucks. Because <laughs> this is like, I don't get a paycheck every two weeks, you know? But then all of a sudden, a job comes in. All of a sudden, you approve of this loan. All of a sudden, like it's just like, oh, okay. Like, and so even just on a much lighter note, like I was really stressed about money the other week. And then like what like three orders came in. And I'm like, hmm, I feel a joyfulness from that provision. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Um, so yeah, I think those are like the two most recent times. Yeah. Um I don't want to go into detail, but I know that we are both two people who have experienced loss as children. And I don't want to like take away from loss as an adult because loss is loss, like grief is grief, but there is something significant about being a child and experiencing mm-hmm. like, yes. or being an adolescent and experiencing mm-hmm. loss before your brain is even fully developed. Yes. Like yes. there is a huge, yes. um, it, it's extremely painful mm-hmm. um, and it's hard to learn how to move on and to grow up and to be a full person when there's a part of you that is deeply missing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I have a two-fold question. Mm. The first side is how has um, how has the floral industry and dealing with plants and dealing with flowers taught you how to deal through grief in your own life, but also, like, what is your happiest childhood memory? Mm. Um, you were coming with it. <laughs> She called you Oprah, and she was asking Oprah, "Were you silent? Were you silent, or were you silent?" Can That's I be I'm Gail? Saying. I just want to be Gail. <laughs> As we said earlier, I just want to be Stedman. So, um, <laughs> literally, what a life gig. Um, oh man, you are so right. Like, I think having deep grief before your brain can comprehend it is twisted. Like, it's crazy. Because yeah. then when your brain can comprehend what you lost, there's, like, a level of guilt that you're, like, yeah. so overwhelmed by grief for something that happened years ago. And it's yeah. just like, wow. And there's, like, this level of, like, why didn't people help me work through this grief? Because, like, you know, like, like, like child psychology... <laughs> In black community, that's a whole other conversation. And then you're angry because it's just like, I didn't even know what I was going through, but mm-hmm. other people did know what they were going through and they didn't think about me. And mm-hmm. and it's just so many layers of emotion. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, per se, if the floral industry has really helped me work through grief. So I did a lot of that work before I got into flowers. Okay. Um, but I think flower working with flowers has 
given me a greater appreciation for dying and death mm. um, and seeing it as beautiful. Like mm. seeing life as like this flow, like literally life is a floral arrangement and it is so beautiful in the moment, but real soon it's going to be gone. Like real soon it's going to be gone. And um, so I need to enjoy it while I can. You know, people are like, I don't like buying flowers because they're going to die next week. It's like, well, one, they could die in two weeks or three weeks if you care for it. And three, don't you deserve beauty right now? Wow. Don't you deserve beauty for this week? So yeah. I think that's like, it's less help me through grief, but help me think about life more so of just like, it's beautiful right now. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, you know what? That's one thing that has helped me with grief because I used to have a deep anxiety around people close to me dying. Mm. There was a part of me that's like, oh my gosh, if I get close to this person, they're going to die. Mm. Like, it's yeah. going to happen. I can identify um, And it's like, that's a hard place to be. Because yeah. it's like this level of like, I can't get too close to you. Yeah. But um, flowers, in the sense of like thinking about life and death, are just like, I need to enjoy this beauty now. Um, I, I, I really do know that flowers less has, has less helped me process grief and more so just helped me enjoy the moment more. Because with flowers, that's all you get is this moment, you know, a week. Like, it's just, it's very, it's not forever art, you know. It's it's very right now. Like, we, for Juneteenth, we raised thousands of dollars for an installation that stays up for less than 72 hours. Mm. And after 24 hours, it looks completely different mm. because the flowers have been in the sun all day, mm. you know. And it's just like, this is just a moment. Mm-hmm. We did all this work. We woke up at 3 a.m. Like, for what? And mm-hmm. and then it's like, no, it's absolutely worth it. And I'm looking forward to doing it again, you know? So that, and then childhood memory that I, I love. Right, wow. I was like trying to think. And the first thing that comes on my mind, and he's just been on my mind a lot lately, is my dad. One time, me and my dad went to, <laughs> was, I'm such a pastor's kid. He was going to a pastor's conference where they had like a children's program for pastor's kids. And so he was going to take me. And I was really excited to go. Um, it was great, like, meeting other... It's the only time in my life I've ever met other pastor's kids. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I'm not the only one who's, like, living this weird life. But that wasn't the biggest memory. The biggest memory of it was on the way to the conference, he stopped and took me to a water park. Just me and my dad. Oh, my God. Uh, you, you know, you go on school trips, church trips, family trips to the water park. It's like a large group, but it was just, just me and my dad. And it was a weekday, and I just got to get on everything multiple times. Like, and he was so happy seeing me happy. Mm. And that's just the first thing that came to my mind today. Um, yeah, he's a good man. Shout out to the dads. Shout out to the dads. The black dads. The good black dad. The good black dad. So to close up this, this is the Poetry Club podcast. So I do have to ask you, Mm -hmm. your it could be either your favorite book, your Mm -hmm. favorite lyric, Mm. your favorite piece of poetry. Mm. But I would like to know, off the top of the dome, it's already there. (laughs) I'm surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm. Really glad, glad that this came online. Okay. My favorite, it has gotten me through the last two years, I think. It feels like a hymn to me, but it's not. It's All Right by Kendra Lamar. What? It is. <laughs> like, if I'm having, like, a rough day, 
like if the world it like not just a personally rough day mm -hmm. if the world feels like too much i throw on all right really 100 percent. it's so it's so good it is just it's incredibly comforting because it's such an aggressive sounding song yeah but it the is. message is just gentle yeah. and it's like that's the mood we need to get through this life like an aggression and a toughness but like also a gentleness like general reminders that we're gonna be all right yeah like i've been hurt we've been down before but we're gonna be all right yeah like look at where do we go but we're gonna be all right like literally it's just like unanswered questions i want to die yeah. everything's too much yeah but we're gonna be all right yeah and i think that's like it really has helped me so much john carrie I feel so blessed. We're the ones to blessed. be to be your presence. Thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is like a big honor, honestly. You, you know, I have a million ideas, and you're always there for every single one of them. <laughs> me too. So. Don't 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 think that I forgot about my color purple idea. Oh no, I know. We, okay, cool, cool. It's right? actually twenty twenty two again. It is. Quick. It is. It's like wow, that's actually now. That's so. actually a couple months ago. Yeah. We yeah, yeah. we need to plan for that. But thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Of course. And I appreciate you. And I'm gonna close it by saying that night, leaving John and Carrie's house was probably the most beautiful winter night in Chicago. The wind was cold, but not too cold. I hopped in the back of the lift and we rode down Lakeshore Drive toward the beautiful skyline of the city, the buildings sparkling like stars, and my mind was full and at peace. And yet, I couldn't get out of my mind this concept of plants, flowers, the beauty of their life, but also the significance of their death and the comparison that has to humanity. When I was a little girl, my father passed, and I never stopped grieving from the moment I found out he was sick. We anticipated his death, and yet seeing him on the cold table in the hospital, lifeless, was the most shocking thing I've ever experienced. And as an adult, occasionally I'll have a night terror. I'm in the park, I'm somewhere in the city and I see a man in a trench coat and a hat. And my eye catches his eye and something about him is familiar. I, I can't stop looking at him. And as he grows closer to me, I realize this is a man that I know. And as his features materialize in front of my face, I call out his name. It's my father. And I'm screaming and I'm running toward him with my hand, reaching out to touch him, to, to hold him for for a hug and as soon as I touch him he disappears he vanishes and I wake up in a cold sweat and I'm haunted by the fact 
that the mind's desire for hope is more powerful than reality. Me and my fragile flowered mind have been dealing with the fact that some plants die sooner than others. Some flowers, though beautiful and rare, are not meant to live long. So you cherish them while they're here and after they're gone. This podcast episode is dedicated to Joan Didion, Sydney Poitier, Betty White, Bell Hooks. <laughs>